The first few days after Christmas are interesting and very full in the life of the church. There is a whole lot to talk about if one is interested in those things. On December 26th, the first day after Christmas, the church remembers Stephen, the first Christian martyr. You can read all about that story in Acts chapter 6 and 7. It's an excellent, wonderful story about a deacon who did many wonderful, miraculous things, and there's a whole lot to talk about on the second day of Christmas. On the third day of Christmas, December 27th, the church remembers St. John the Evangelist, our patron saint in this wonderful church. You can read and think about John's beautiful prologue, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. It's, it's a wonderful day to think about that poetic opening to that gospel account. On December 28th, the church remembers the Feast of the Holy Innocents. We remember that story in Matthew's gospel account, Matthew chapter 2, where King Herod the Great goes about slaughtering all of the male newborn children in the Bethlehem region in an attempt to kill the infant Jesus. It's a very dark story, a very heavy story, but, but it's an important story, and there's a lot to think about on that day. There's, there's a whole lot to talk about in that first week after Christmas, and then we get to today. Today is what we now call the Feast of the Holy Name of Jesus, but for the longest time this day, the eighth day of Christmas, was called the Feast of the Circumcision, because it's on this day that we read and hear that Jesus, like all of the male Hebrew children before him, was circumcised according to the Jewish custom. It happens fast. There is only one verse in the entire New Testament that mentions his circumcision, and it's the last verse that we heard today in Luke's gospel account. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, Luis said a couple of weeks ago that he was interested to hear what I was going to talk about in my sermon for the Feast of the Circumcision. Circumcision, as you all know, is not exactly a topic that we talk a whole lot about in the life of the church. I thought about calling our own Dr. Wandy Johnson to see if she could give me some, some tips, some thoughts for this day. And if you actually ever want to talk to Wandy, she's got a whole lot of stories to share about this particular subject. So do that on your own if you're interested. The first thing that I'll say is that but I think that this day, this Feast of the Circumcision, reminds us of the importance of ritual and tradition in our day-to-day lives. I hope that it comes as no surprise to you all. It does to some people. I hope it comes to no surprise to hear that, that Jesus was a Jew. In fact, if you look closely at the gospel accounts, it seems pretty obvious that he was a very observant and faithful Jew. Sometimes Christians forget that, and we think that maybe Jesus was a Christian. He was, in fact, a Jew. His parents were good, faithful Jews as well. They observed all of the traditions and rituals of their faith, and so on the eighth day, as was the practice going all the way back to the patriarch Abraham, Jesus was circumcised as a sign of God's everlasting covenant with God's people. Jesus was a thoroughly Jewish man, and when you sit down and begin to read through the various gospel accounts, you see just how important his his Jewish faith and rituals were to his life and his teaching and his ministry. He observed the law. He went to the Jewish festivals and kept the high holy days. When he healed someone who was unclean, a leper, for instance, he would instruct them to go to the priest to be declared clean, as was told to do in the Levitical Code. 
he went to synagogue regularly and prayed and read the Torah. Ritual and tradition were important to Jesus, to his family, and his first followers, and the rituals and traditions of the church are hopefully important to who we are as followers of Jesus. Baptism, the Holy Eucharist, common prayer, these are all rituals and traditions that tell us something not only about the God in whom we believe, but also about our relationship to that God. There was a story yesterday in the metro section of the Washington Post, I'm sure many of you saw it, talking about some of the the top Christian stories of 2016. In the introduction to that story, the authors talked about how something like 58% of American Christians think that the, the creeds, the confessions, and the traditions of Christianity are of little value to their life. I don't know where you all fall, but I tend to take the other view. I may at times have questions or even concerns about some of our traditions, but I, I think that those things, those traditions that have been done by our our forebearers in the faith, those faithful women and men who have gone before us, are important to how we think and how we grow in our relationship with God. As you all know, practice, that habit of working on a particular skill in a regular way, makes us better at the things that we are doing. If, for instance, I want to make more putts on the golf course than I need to spend a whole lot of time working on my putting skills. If I want to become a better cook, then I need to work on my knife skills, among many other things. And I think the same is true when we think about and talk about our relationship with God. Attending church regularly, saying our prayers, giving financially, serving the poor, all of these things begin to shape and help us to grow. All of these things are signs of a mature and healthy Christian faith. There's a phrase that's sometimes used in the church that I'm sure many of you have heard before. It's lex orandi, lex credendi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. As we worship, so we believe, and so we live. As we worship, so we believe, and so we live. And so I think that's That's the first thing that I will offer you today on this Feast of the Circumcision, the first day of this new year. The rituals, the traditions, the practices of our faith matter, and we should pay close attention to them as they help us to draw closer to our God. If you are a resolution-making type of person, then perhaps a resolution for you can be to examine which parts of our tradition draw you closer to God and how you can begin or continue to incorporate them more and more into your daily life in this new year. Something more than the circumcision also happens to Jesus on the eighth day. We're told in this reading from Luke's gospel account that Jesus receives his name. The name that Jesus receives is very deep in its meaning. The name Jesus is the Latin way of saying Joshua, and the name literally means the Lord is salvation or God saves, or, or even simply Savior. This is the name that the angel Gabriel tells Mary to name her child. It's the name that the angel gives to Joseph in his dream when he's thinking about leaving Mary. It's, it's a name that comes directly from God. Names, as you all know, are very important. 
what you are called can tell others a whole lot about you. It can tell others where you are from, who your people are. It may even tell others what your parents were hoping for when you were born. The theologian Jean-Marie D'Angelou says that names given by God in the Old and New Testaments always express both the person and the mission that is being given. Names, he says, always express both the person and the mission that is being given. So think of of Abraham. His name means father of many. Think of Joseph, Jacob rather. His, His name means heel grabber. And then after he wrestles with this man, this angel in the book of Genesis, we're told that his name is switched to Israel. Think in the New Testament when we hear about Simon, who becomes Peter, which means rock. Saul, which means asked for or prayed for, becomes Paul, which means small or humble. Names are very important. The name given by God expresses both the person and the mission of that person. So Jesus means Savior, and Jesus, therefore, is the Savior. Mary and Joseph did not name the child. The name came from God and therefore tells us about the kind of work that God will be doing in the world. God will be about the work of salvation, redemption, reconciliation, restoration. The Feast of the Holy Name might seem like an insignificant day in many ways. Why does it matter that the baby was named Jesus, you might be wondering. He could have been named Larry or Floyd or George or Charles and still have brought about peace and hope and light in this world, and that's absolutely true. I think, though, that this day, this feast day, is important because it's a reminder that God has again spoken God's name to his people. Just as in the Old Testament God told Moses God's name, God again speaks to all people and gives us not just a word, but the word made flesh who has come to live among us. The Feast of the Circumcision, the Feast of the Holy Name, this, this eighth day of Christmas is a gift to us in many ways. This day is about the gift of a new relationship with God. This day is an invitation to have an intimate, close, life-changing relationship with the one who is the creator and maker of the universe. And so as we begin a new year, this, this day offers us a way to focus our attention, our lives, our hope on the one who is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. God is with us. The message of this Christmas season, the good news of Christianity, is that God is with us. May we in our daily lives, in our work, in our various ministries, be about telling out the greatness of God's name. Amen.